You were made for more than the status quo. I'm Pastor Steve Gray, and this is the More Faith, More Life podcast. This podcast is for Christians with an ambitious heart who want to be more for their family, do more with their career, and see more of God's promises in their life. I've spent many years as a worship artist, minister, nonprofit leader, bold truth speaker, and most importantly, father and spouse. When I was in my early 40s, I was craving more, more from God and more from life. I'd done everything I was supposed to do. My life was good, but it wasn't good enough. So I spent the following years diving into the Word of God and searching for the biblical principles that would bring me closer to God and help my purpose and life flourish. That's what I want to share with you. In every episode, you'll get practical tools based on real-life experiences that you can put into action to redefine your faith and, ultimately, your life. So, if you're ready to do more, subscribe to More Faith, More Life, and hear an unfiltered biblical truth every week. It's time to be and experience more. Hey, everybody. So glad to be together today. And I have a good friend and guest, uh, Roy Fields from Florida. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. You don't want to miss it because we're going to talk about not only spiritual things about revival, what is revival, but also the hurdles and difficulties that all of us have in moving forward with God. We all have things we need to overcome because we're called to be overcomers. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, unrehearsed, right? Just raw, going to talk about stuff. Uh, so anyway, say hi to him, Roy, and maybe you could explain, do you remember how, do you remember how we sort of met? Yeah, well, I, I do. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember it very well. And first of all, hi, everybody. I'm Roy yeah. Fields. It's good to be with you guys. And uh, I do remember the first time I was in Africa, laying in a bed in an unconditioned air conditioned place. It wasn't air conditioned. There was no air conditioner. And a phone call came in and it was you. And you said, Hey, you've been on my heart. You know, I'd love to have you come in. And uh, I know about you. And you said, have you heard of, you know, have you heard of the Smith? And I said, of course I have. And I told you about the past that we knew, you know, my parents had really followed my mom and my stepfather really followed the Smithton outpouring. And then uh, you said on the phone, Hey, I I'd love to have you come over. And I said, well, I'm going to be in Wales during that time. And you said, well, okay, let's see if we can work it. And we, I believe, I think we, we somehow worked it out because Wales was supposed to be like four days of meetings and it turned into six months. Yeah. We stayed in Wales and then we, we broke in those meetings and flew over quickly flew and, and turned back. around and came right back. Yeah. It was really good. I know <laughs> the same thing. I remember uh, I was at somebody's house, uh, kind of some kind of church thing, fellowship type thing. And, you know, everybody's mingling around. And while I'm there, I'm just mingling with people. And I get this sudden, like, you know, I never talked to you before. I'm not even sure. I think I had to get your number from somebody. But I had no idea you knew who I was. I had seen you. And all of a sudden, it just starts stirring. And so I'm kind of I'm spontaneous in spiritual things. I'm not real spontaneous, like, you know, financial or go get a loan. All just pops into my head. or I don't live like that. Right. But I'm I try to be spontaneous with God, and and it, and I was just walking around their house saying, "I need to call Roy Fields. I just need to call him. He's never. I didn't know anything about you really, other than what I'd seen on some of the clips from where you were down in Florida ministering uh, in revival down there. And uh, so I, I think in my mind I was thinking, where is he? How's he doing? 
and my reaching out might be good as a pastor church revival guy because I didn't know you know you might be up down where you were but I knew you were still ministering after that so uh, I just went downstairs in their house right in there I found those oh, I'll be right back and I went down found a place in the basement and dialed you up you know and there we go I didn't I didn't know you knew who I was well, but, I was uh, I was delighted I remember that that night I was so delighted to get your call because you know I'd followed you for many years and stuff through the Smith and outpouring hearing your story seeing you on the Sid Roth show being inspired by your story you and your wife Kathy and of course the whole church. And, uh, I was delighted. I, I remember, of course, that's the way I was during that. I'm, I'm still that way in a lot of ways today, but I'm still like that. I'll get a phone call come in and it'd be somebody that I've, you know, really look up to and respect and honor. And I'll be like, Oh, I got to shut everything down. Somebody's calling that's important. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I love, I love the fact that we connected through that. That was an awesome experience. Actually, we had that happen to us twice. I was, uh, out to eat <clears throat> with somebody and they wanted to have Kansas City barbecue. And my brother, he's a, you know, he plays guitar, you know that. And he likes to play blues. It's a, oh, you got to go to this place where they play blues music, you know. And uh, I'd never seen it before. Some kind of the fat pig or something like that, you know. Right. So I went and I was there and you called me just happened to be calling me while I'm sitting there. And I said, Hey, I'm sitting here. And you said, what are you doing? I'm at this restaurant and uh, I'm sitting here talking to uh, John Schliff from Petra, the lead singer. Remember that? Oh, that's right. And you went, and you went, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Can I talk to him? I said, sure. Exactly. We're just sitting here. Uh, well, we were very uncomfortable anyway, because we went to this place and I noticed there are a lot of people sitting around. What we didn't know is uh, one of their favorite players had died and they were having a wake in the restaurant where he played a lot. And so that's why they were real serious. And we're over here just cutting up and talking and talking to you on the phone. And so it was a little awkward. But anyway, you let me talk. So I handed you the phone. You got to, I didn't know if you'd ever talked to him before, but you got to talk to uh, him with the, you know, the lead singer from Petra. I mean, these are our so heroes, that, right? These are our yeah. heroes. We, we grew up as teenagers and at least I did as a young man. I, I listened, I went to many Petra concerts. And I watched them lead people to Jesus. So to talk to John Schlitt was awesome. Yeah. I, I still listen to Petra to this day. Yeah. Like I've been I still, thinking about them my recently playlist. myself. Yeah. They're on my playlist. And you know what it yeah. does? Is it, it refreshes my renewal for God. It, re, it brings me back to my first love. So when I get yeah. to meet somebody like John Schlitt, it's just like mm -hmm. awesome. You know, he's a great guy, by the way, just down to earth. We spent a lot of time together and he uh, was lead. He was lead singer in the film uh, Three Blind Saints. He opens the movie as lead singer on a song my brother wrote. Uh, but right. he, he sang it for us. Yeah. So, but you know all about that. Anyway, I do. Uh, Great movie. Yeah. So you've uh, went with uh, time. I don't know how many years ago now it's been since uh, the movement broke out in uh, Florida. Now at that Lakeland. point, would you Lakeland? Would you say? Uh, I didn't know you would, were you, were you, did you feel like I'm sort of an unknown and got thrown into that? Maybe you were known there, but I didn't know who you were. And that was pretty well, massive. That was a let, massive let me, thing that happened. Let me rewind the story a little bit. First of all, April 2nd, which is in one month will be the 15 year anniversary of when the Lakeland revival broke out. Oh man. 15 years ago. Can you, yeah. can you believe it was 15 no, years I, I didn't ago. expect that. That, time, yeah. time keeps flying. It's just, you know, you turn around and 10 years go by. It's just crazy. 
but I can tell you that from 2005, uh, after I had served a ministry in uh, the panhandle of Florida, I, I remember in a staff meeting at my church, I walked into the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and I was just washing my face or something. And I heard the Lord say, today is your last day here. This is your last day. Hmm. Now somebody says, well, that sounds terrible. Well, that ministry is no longer in function today. The Lord got me out of there one year before some things crumbled down on them. But I can say this without going down that road too much is they had lost their fire for revival and they started getting too deep into teaching and all kinds of stuff. And it's, it got really deep. Let's just put it that way. And the Lord said to me, today's your last day. And I wept. And I thought, what does this mean? What I had no clue is that the next two and a half years would gut me. Um, my wife and my kids and I, we hopped into a vehicle. We got rid of our home. We gave everything away. And we just believed God to see revival move. And we just started traveling. So we had no invites. Oh, I take that back. I had like one invite. It was my hometown in Binghamton, New York. And I took advantage of that. And then because of that invite, uh, a, a couple of friends of ours had a church in Kentucky. And so I had a friend uh, in Mount Washington, Kentucky. So I had two invites and we gave everything away on two invites and we just traveled on the road. And then from 2005, that was the summer of 2005 to 2007, uh, we had come to a point of being on the road where, you know, there was a lot. We'd have a love offering, but there was more love than offering, if you know what yeah, I'm saying. Right, right, right. And, and we came to a point where I remember going back to my hometown in New York, because I had moved down from New York to Florida. Now I've gone back to New York to minister, and I'm you know leading worship and preaching and giving altar calls, and we're praying for the sick, and we're going on the streets and witnessing. On fire, by the way, not just doing something. We were hungry for God. I mean hungry for God. And we didn't have any money, but we made it work. And after being there, you know, about a year and a half, two years on the road, I got offered a very big worship leader job at the church that I grew up in as a kid. And they had, just to give you an idea, they seat about 800 people in their sanctuary. They had about 3000 members back in the late eighties. And I was like one of the boys of the house kind of thing. And I came back and they did this audition with me. And they said, when they got done, the worship, the presence of God was there and everything. And they, about two weeks later, he called me in the office and says, hey, listen, um, you're not really an AOG carbon copy, are you? And I said, what does that mean? He says, well, you're just not really like a copy of us, are you? And I said, because I love revival? And he goes, no, 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 no. And he was trying to like say it nicely. And he's a good friend of mine today, but he was, he was trying to say it nicely. And basically he says, I don't think it's going to work out. Okay. And when we got that, Pastor Steve, my wife and I were using our grandfather, my grandfather's house for a short amount of time to use it as a hub. Uh, and then we would just come there and then travel out, come there and then go somewhere else, stay for a long period of time, come back. And I'm standing in my grandfather's kitchen and I'm crying like a baby because I feel like I failed my wife my children, God, the ministry and everything. And my wife leans over to me. And of course I'm looking at her and she's sad too, because, you know, a wife likes to have a nest. 
Right. And, <laughs> and she's sitting here on the row with me. She's an amazing champion, by the way. She's an amazing woman. I know that. Yes. She really, you've met her several times. Yes. She is who yes. she really is. And right. like your wife, Kathy, I mean, behind every happy wife is a very surprising. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so no. I, uh, I, I just looked at her and I said, no, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know that I've done it right. She goes, you know what, honey, Polly, which was the, um, I believe it was William Booth's wife. She had a quote that we were reading old revivals and she says, come on, William, let's go home because anywhere else is better than a dead church. Yeah. And it was just, it was just that little quote. I'm telling you the truth, man. It was that little quote that Melanie quoted from somebody who had been through it. And when she said that to me, it lit something in me even stronger than the first previous two years. And I remember going to my keyboard that night and I just spent time with God. I can get, I'll get emotional if I even start going here. And I said, I said, Lord, this is your ministry. We, you, you have called me. You've called us to go. I've put everything on the line, Lord. I trust you. And I know yeah. you're still with me. And okay. I want revival. I don't care what it costs, where I have to go, <laughs> what I have to do. I want you to move, not only in my life, but in the life of everybody around me. And that night started something for me, Pastor Steve. I started playing on the keyboard, worshiping the Lord, having presence of God touch me. I'd get woke up in the middle of the night, like three days later, at 2.30 in the morning. Now, listen, this might sound crazy, but at 2.30 in the morning, I'm sleeping in a dead sleep, and the Lord wakes me up and says, come with me. I get into my truck. I'm at 2.30 in the morning driving in the middle of the streets of, of, of Johnson City, New York, and I would hear the Holy Spirit say to me, drive down that road, and I'd have my iPod in. I had an iPod back then. People don't even know what an iPod is down. Yeah, right. <laughs> And, and I would hear, pull over, get out, walk down the sidewalk. It was like he was, it was like the Holy Spirit was testing me to see, okay, if you're hungry for me, will you do exactly what I tell you to do? No matter what it sounds like, feels like, or whatever, will you do exactly what I tell you to do? I, I said, yes, every time. And it was within, I want to say a month from that moment that I met an evangelist. And um, from that moment on, he had asked me to come and lead the worship and it was like within uh, within the next year uh the very beginning of the next year i found myself in lakeland florida and in, right. a, in only two nights we had 700 people the first night the next night we had 1200 the yeah. third night we had like 1800 and by the fourth night we had 2000 and when we decided to extend the meetings it just grew exponentially 5000 right. 7000 8000 and I found myself in the move of God. So it's a long answer, but here's the question. Yeah. She says, did you feel like to be known and all that? I, I just came to the place where I was just truly desperately hungry for God to be used with what he called me to do. And I didn't care what vein, what I had to do. If I had to clean toilets, if I had to drive cars, whatever I had to do. And overnight I found myself in the middle of Lakeland and I had the best job, by the way. Because all I had to do was walk up on that stage and just worship the Lord like I had already yeah, done 20 right. something years. Yeah, right. I had no I finances to worry about. In fact, finances were pouring into us because people were buying <clears throat> the music. Yeah, right. But I had nothing to worry about. I just went up and ministered. It was very effortless. 
Answer me this. Um, well, help our everyone understand. When we mentioned, you said about revival in the church. If it's dead, it's better to not be in a dead church, you know. And a search for revival, and you know that word. What what can we say to those who? What are you talking about revival? I I know the difference. You know the difference. What's it a good description that what were you searching for? You said not there, not that church, but this church, or not that life. movement, but this movement. Yeah. Simple what's, word. What's the life. difference? Just life. Somebody says, Well, everybody's living life. They come there on Sunday mornings, they're living life, they're singing, they're praising, they're worshiping, they're listening to a sermon, they have an altar call, they pray. But it's like, where's the fire? Where's the yeah. miracles? Where's the signs and wonders? Where is the everything that the disciples and Jesus walked in? And why is it that it feels fake? Why does it feel uh, superficial? Why does it feel like we're not really talking on the same page? Why are people avoiding each other in a lot of ways to not talk about certain subjects? You know, that, that to me, when revival comes, love is in the air. Yeah. Like love, you love everybody. They become your personal blood is thicker than water. They become your brother and sister immediately when you walk in the door. Yeah. There's no more wall. There's no more separation. There's no more. Well, what about that? You don't even care. You just, you have grace and you have mercy and peace for them. And, and you, you're not nitpicking. It's only when we don't have that moving in certain services that things start to get dark and well, I wonder what he's doing. I think he's right, right. That that all changes. Revival comes in. We just, hey, Pastor, this is great that you're calling me today because we yeah. just had a 20 day revival in Hudson, Florida, started January 1st to the 20th. We were packed out every night. A couple nights we had the crowd went down a little bit, but the majority of all the nights we were packed out and we had somebody says, What's the difference? What's going on? There was a fire in the place and the people did not want to leave until five hours later. Yeah. 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 It's life. I've it's talked life. to people about it. You know, I tried to just on the very lowest, lowest rung of the ladder. I said, let me kind of get this straight. So from the little children in your children's ministry, your nursery, whatever it is, five years old on up, everybody in this building says, I have Jesus in my heart. I mean, you say, Jesus is in there. He's in there. I'd say, I, I don't understand this. So you're telling me the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the most famous man in the history of the world that everybody knows all over the world is living inside of you. And there's zero evidence, nothing, zero. It's still all about us. It's still us. We're singing songs. We're doing, we're going, we're just going about our business in church. But you say the creator of the universe is inside of you but there's no evidence at all. I said, we've, uh, that's a, that's a pretty good stretch to get the rest of the world to believe that maybe it's true, but, but there's got to be some evidence. Yeah. Revival gets you busy about the father's business. Yeah. Revival causes you to get stirred up again, to go after souls, not to come to just a meeting. It gets you to all of a sudden start sharing your faith a lot more than you have before. Yeah. And really believing God that when you pray for somebody, something's going to change and happen. Yep. It's interesting you're talking about Christ in us because in Galatians chapter four, verse six, the apostle Paul says, and I've got it right here. I mean, we didn't plan this, but in the, I love the amplified, by the way. Yeah, right. The amplified says, and because you really are his sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
Therefore, you are no longer a slave, a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. So if Christ is living inside of us, Pastor Steve, we are going to be busy about our father's business. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about, I, I do know about you. So I can't say, I don't know about you. Yeah, I right. do know about you. Everything we have in life is to reach souls. Everything yeah. we do is for the kingdom. My house is for the kingdom. And I don't use that as a, an excuse to just justify anything that I have or what I do. It's just everything we have. It doesn't matter much to me. I'd rather have one day of the presence of God than a lifetime without it and everything right. I've ever wanted. Right, right, right. I mean, David no. said that. Right. Yeah. In the, yeah. One day in your courts, Lord. Yes. It's better than to be someplace else. Now help, help uh, people too, along this line. Uh, I've been in this a long time. I've been uh, considered, I know you would, people would look at you and I, I think they would consider you successful and me successful. I don't think we feel that's not even in our vocabulary, but it hasn't always been like we just uh, got called by God and, there, smooth sailing. What's a, I might know these, this answer, but you don't need to tell the circumstances, but what did you do when you came across other than the time when you're crying like a baby, you told us that one, but as you began to minister, now you're known as a minister and you came into a crisis, personal family ministry crisis later after you're already established, people know your name. Uh, no, you got your CDs out there. Your music is out there. What do you do at that point? Or what did you do? Or did, uh, did you have one? Of course I did. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think every single person that you would call successful has one. Uh, yeah. let me back up a good friend of mine that you probably know yourself is Andrew Womack. Mm. He's been an amazing mentor to me, a good friend for 10 years now. And he had a struggle with success. His ministry started growing and he started pulling back because he says, Lord, the people are looking at me instead of you. And he kept on doing this false humility thing and pulling back and pulling back. And the Lord spoke to him. I think you'll appreciate this. The Lord spoke to him one night and said, Andrew, the reason the people are honoring you is because you are honoring me. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. And why, why is there success? When you honor the Lord, you're shining a light. There's a light that comes on you and it's all backed up by Jesus. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that your heavenly father may be glorified. Yeah. And people can figure out what they want to, of what your motive is. That's between you and God. As far as I'm concerned, it's none of their business. It's between you and God. It's none of my business. Now, if it has to be with me being involved with that person, now, now it's my business because I'm, I don't know if I know you, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think in every person's life that's trying to get to this thing, I can tell you this one thing. And that is the very thing that I was after was very empty when I achieved it. Hmm. it what happens when you have all your dreams come to pass, all the prophecies come to pass, you have the money, you have the accolades, you got the wife, the kids, the house, the cars, you got everything you ever wanted. And now you're just, you're there. You weren't created to arrive while you're on earth. You were created to keep moving forward with God and getting closer to him. And look, all of us struggle with that. All of us have an issue with it. Sometimes we get tested in our mind and everything. Did I have a crisis? Brother, I had one of the hardest crises <laughs> of my life that most people don't even know about. And you ready for this? 
It wasn't because I was with another woman. It wasn't because of alcohol. It wasn't because of drugs. It wasn't because of uh, pride and anger and all this. Well, maybe anger and pride actually did play a part (laughs) in this. (laughs) But it really, you know what I had to do with? Mentally and in my heart, I had become broken inside because there were things that I had pushed down thinking that ministry would take care of that. Right. Like us men, we're the worst at this. I, in fact, I just heard a, a brother say this just a few days ago. He says, man, he says, I couldn't just sit around and do nothing. I, I got to get moving. I, I just, I don't want, I don't want to be idle at all. And I thought, I hear what you're saying, but if you can't sit still and let God be still and know that I am God, there's also a problem. And and uh, us men, we just feel like we just got to keep moving because I don't want to become idle. I'll start having these thoughts and then things will come in and then I'll, I'll get complacent and everything. We have got to learn to balance. There's a balance. You know, if you pray hard, then play hard. If yeah. you play hard, then pray hard. If, if you're going to minister, minister with all your heart. If you're going to love your kids, love them with all your heart. If you're going to love your wife, love her with all your heart. We don't always make it and get it all the time, but I would say the crisis that I went to is mentally, I, the enemy, when I turned 40, the world would call it a midlife crisis. I didn't have a midlife crisis. I'll tell you why. I didn't really have any regret. I've given my life to the Lord since I was like 21. You Mm -hmm. know, I've I've been in the church since I was five. Uh, I really don't know anything else. I knew, I knew some other things too, but I'm just saying like my whole life's been dedicated to God. The crisis that came to me was, is I actually built a mechanism that thought the more work that I do for God, the more he'll love me. Easy to, a lot of us, I think, do that today. I can see myself, I see myself in that somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, And it's just not true. It's just, is that, is that, all right. Okay. Like Brooke, you have Brooke. Okay. Is anything going to change how much you love that girl, whether she fails or succeeds? Yeah, of course not. Right. Right. But when you come with somebody like myself, who comes from a broken home, who has a father who doesn't agree with your lifestyle of being in the church and ministering and everything, and a mom who kind of tapped out because of depression of the the divorce and everything, you're, you're kind of like that whole abandonment issue thing that people, Oh, that's abandonment issues. Well, it's, it's not, it's not as simple as that. Um, I thought I dealt with those things when I was younger. And when I, especially in Lakeland, when you're doing what God's called you to do and you're seeing the reality of what you've believed in your heart since you were a kid. I mean, I had dreams when I was 11 and 12 and I'm telling you the dream was Lakeland. So that was 22 years before Lakeland happened. I was having dreams about me being in Lakeland with a bunch of people holding hands, swaying like thousands, singing "We Are the Generation." It wasn't it wasn't the number one song or anything, but um, right. when I, when I, you're sitting there, that's easy. What's not easy is when you come off that high. And Lendo Cooley told me this. Lendo Cooley, there's. Lendo Cooley was a worship leader in the Brownsville yeah. revival. You know him, but some people might right. not know. Him. Might not know. Yeah, right. He was an integral part. In fact, I would say one of the greatest parts of the revival was worship. Mm, I and, would say uh, so too. Absolutely. Every move of God has worship. Yeah. Powerful, heartfelt, in the presence, in the holy place, worship and praise and a celebration. 
And um, he talks, he told me the story of how after the revival had come to a close five years later, he actually had to go to the doctors because he had lived on such a high, he had no more endorphins to get excited anymore. Oh, yeah. Huh. I said, what? You got to be kidding me. And you know what? You know what? The first scripture that pops up in my heart is Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, right. Even when it's great and successful. Right. And even when it's hellish and it's failure and it's dark, he says, be anxious for nothing. So when I went through this little crisis of mine at age 40, mentally, I was bombarded by the enemy. The enemy came around for sure. My mind became unglued. And I, I'll tell you, I can tell you the one reason why it really did happen. I was not in the word as much as I should have been. Mm. I yeah. wasn't. And the enemy came to test me out to see what I was made of. And that's when you find out who Jesus really is. Because when you're in that crisis, you find out what you actually really truly believe. I mean, you look at some of these mega church pastors, uh, Pastor Steve, who have 20,000, 10,000 people. And this just happened a few years back. And they blew their head off with a shotgun or with mm -hmm. a gun. Mm -hmm. The enemy comes around to all of us. People don't even realize Jesus had suicidal thoughts come to him because he was told by Satan, why don't you jump off this cliff here or the top of this building? And then he starts quoting the scripture to him. The angels will make sure your foot doesn't dash upon a stone. They'll come and catch you. So even Satan comes around to especially us to try to condemn us, convict us, tell us what we've done wrong, guilt us into stuff. And before you know it, we're in agreement with him. And now we're in a dark place in the corner. And here you now think about this. While that's going on, you're still married to an amazing woman who loves you and you love her. Nothing's wrong there. Your kids are in good shape. Nothing's wrong there. There's still money in the bank. There's a car to drive. There's a house to live in. The ministry's traveling still. The ministry's still expanding and going on television, radio. And I'm in a shower in the corner feeling like I just want to die. <laughs> yeah. Let's get real. Yeah, right. And I, I, I had that moment at 40 after success, as you call it, and all this stuff. And right. thinking, man, I've achieved it now. Now what? Yeah. And it was like the end. It's like, well, I'll tell you now what. It's just like Jesus walking through the desert, man. The Bible actually says the Holy Spirit led him through the desert. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus through a place that he's going to get his freaking brains beat out? Yeah, right. Because God knows what he put inside of that man. And it doesn't matter what storm comes through. If the root is deep enough. I can tell you right now, you come out of that crisis and you come out of that place. And I did. It took me a long time, but that's how much crud was inside of my soul and in my heart. And I listen, I still deal with this today. I heard Joyce Myers say, uh, Pastor Steve, just recently, while I was in South Africa, I was watching her on television and I heard I was just sitting in my 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 laptop and she started talking the language that I would say ministers would understand. And, and all of a sudden I was like, what? And she goes, I'm 80 something years old. She goes, I still deal with this stuff. Huh. Yeah. And I'm thinking going, but it says who you, the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah, that's right. You're free, but that doesn't mean that the fight stops. Yeah. I've got uh, staff people I'm really close to and I watch them. 
Some are heading towards 40. Some are heading towards 50. They bring that up a lot. I know they're wrestling with, I can't believe I'm this age. Am I, is my life appropriate to the age I am? And usually like the, obviously you go, well, I expected this. I thought that different expectations on yourself. Yep. Uh, I should be this. I should be at the top. I should be, you know, all the, I listen to them say that, you know, and of course you just uh, keep going. You have to keep going. You don't get distracted and uh, use what you have, all those kinds of things. You'll get over it. That's the nice thing. Don't quit. You'll get over it. It'll work it out. God will work it out for you. But I see that's a true battle that we have to go through. I got another question for you. Um, well, can, I, can I come back uh, to that, Steve? Because yeah, sure, 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 sure. Of course. It's really important what you just said, because <clears throat> I got a scripture for that. That, And I'm telling okay. you, the reason I have a scripture is because when I, I started burying, when this all came to me at age 40, I started burying myself in the word. And I went through hell on earth. This word, listen, I've read the word. I have read the word, but I wasn't reading the word. I wasn't mm. renewing my mind. I would grab a scripture here or there. I would meditate some days and everything. This was like an absolute school of hard knocks. Holy Ghost wanted me in the word. And all of a sudden I started getting the tools to get myself out of my head and into my heart. And this is what you just said. First uh, Peter chapter four, verse 12, listen to this. And this can go for, this is going to help somebody. This is why I bring it up. Not yeah. because I can quote scripture, but because this is going to help somebody. Yeah, sure. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal, which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange, unusual and alien to you in your position were befalling you. Mm. But insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice so that when his glory full of radiance and splendor is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph. Ex excel, excellent, excellent. I can't even pronounce that word. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Peter is saying, and who knew it better than Peter? Jesus, right. said, Peter, Satan is going to sift you like sand. Yeah. Because why? Peter was the guy going, I'll go to prison with you, Lord. I'll get out of the boat with you, Lord. I'll never fail you. I'll do this. And Satan goes, yeah, let's try you out, buddy. Let's yeah, see right. how well you're doing. Yeah. And that's what happens. So it's he's so Peter knows what he's writing because he's like, hey, guys, if Peter could be here right now, the disciple, he would say, Peter, Peter would be like, guys, I've been through this. Listen to me. Yeah. Don't think it's strange. Keep holding on to Jesus. You'll get through it. Yep, that's, exactly. That's what Peter's saying. Yeah, yeah. I got a question for you now as we kind of wind this down a little bit, but what there's so many things we could talk about, like where's America going, where's politics going? Uh, but let's let's talk about where you think or hope or see uh, our world. We work in churches, we're working religion, so to speak. Where's it going? Where where do you think we are right now? Where's it going? How fast? How slow? What's your thoughts on the future? I guess I should say uh, spiritually. Well, I can say this, that three years ago, I think opened the doors and the windows and took the, I hate to quote it, but it's a good place, took the mask off of the evil nastiness of what's really going on in the world. Yeah. I have never in my life, maybe you can agree with me or not. I have never in my life ever in 46 years, ever seen such, such exposure of the enemy's stuff from 2015 until today, presently, 
I mean, it's mm. been, I mean, look at all the people that went to jail, the people that were doing stuff for 30 years, 40 years that nobody ever really did anything about. And all of a sudden you got Harvey Weinstein's now sentenced to jail for rape for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, and right. he was one of the big movie moguls. Right. I only bring that up because the church, the same, there's been so much exposure in the church. I, I truly believe that a lot of churches were ashamed of the Holy spirit. And I think because of that, you know, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And I think because of that, you see a lot of decline in, in a lot of the churches that are going on when it comes to the move of the spirit. Yep. And in a lot of ways, it's great for our ministry because it just increases everything. Whenever there's a yes. lack in that area, it actually brings more job security. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll never be, I'll never be without a job because the kingdom is expanding everywhere. But I would say it's a wake-up call. There is, um, I love this next generation. My, my kids are that next generation, which is Gen Z. Um, you know, look at the Asbury Revival. Um, I've never, you know, this will be the first time I've ever said anything on it. And I don't think I'm all that to talk about it. So uh, it's been entertaining to watch a lot of the Revival Police come out and give their yeah. commentator, you know. Yep. And, Right. It's I just watch. I don't say anything. But you know what? If people are worshiping the Lord, they're talking about Jesus. They're praying for people and people are getting saved. I mean, what's to comment on? Right. What's yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I yeah. think I think the the problem we're going to run into with Gen Z is Gen Z um, in a lot of ways does not trust the generation before them. And, yeah. and I have to say, that's the way we were with our generation in a lot of ways. We didn't trust a lot of them. The authority had let us down and stuff. And so we've got to bridge the gap. If we're going to succeed at all in any churches at all, we're going to have to bridge the gap. But that also means that Gen Z is going to have to honor those that deserve honor. And we're going to have to, those people that are in Gen X have to reach back and start speaking their language and not just tell them it's your language. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. Right. You got to turn. It's the father's sons turning the hearts to the fathers and the sons to the fathers. And I, I do see hope in that, you know, my, my daughter and my son, 22 year old daughter, 21 year old son, uh, my son's in Bible college at Rodney Howard Brown's. My daughter's already done one year at river university with Rodney Howard Brown. And I can already see a change, but that's because it's being put into them and they willingly went and did it. But I do, I honestly, see, I, I honestly have a lot of hope for this generation going forward. I, I think it's not, it's not too far gone. And if it yeah. is, it's our fault. I wouldn't yeah. say it's their fault. We ha leaders have to lead. Yeah. And leading's not just being the big cheese on top. Leading is laying down your life for the other generation just as people had laid down their lives for you. So I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but no, anyway. but you're absolutely right. It's so interesting. We've been through generate, not us as our preaching, but generally across the board, the preachers have spent what, 10, 20 years now building churches, which they call seeker sensitive. It's all yeah. about you. It's all about your feelings. You're important to God. God loves you. And they built that. And now we have a generation really doing the same thing. Maybe other generations that are saying, uh, we don't want that. We're tired of that. We're tired of church. And yet it, it was church all about them. Now they're wanting, could I just connect with God? Could we just have a God thing? Can we have a raw God moment? I think that's kind of where they are. 
But I think it's I think it's because the generations past were too heavy handed. True. This is this is what happens. I'm watching this right in front of my eyes. Like I'm watching this, and I, my wife and I, Melanie, we talk about this a lot. You watch. 20, 20 years ago, it was the top down. Boom. This is the way it is. And we're going to do it this way. And that's all there is. Yeah. But I, I, can I talk about my heart right now? My, my feelings? No, you just get it done. Don't talk about that. Just move on. Just right. move on. Right. Right. We, I would say the generation before us failed in that area. And I know that's a fact because I've talked to 60 year olds and 70 year olds that I now have these conversations 20 years later and I'm older and they're even saying, man, I, I was a bit rough and I, I should have toned it down a little bit. See, what happens with society, and you know this, Pastor Steve, so this is for the benefit of everybody watching, is we overcompensate for what we lacked here. And we think that the whole pendulum just shifts over to here. Right. It's not at all true. We got to learn from that. So what did I learn? I learned, yeah, authority was absolutely top heavy in a lot of ways trying to run a military ship and we're the <laughs> army of God, but you're killing people right. that are underneath you. Yeah. Right. And then you have the other side of uh, like today's generation. I mean, I just want my feelings to be heard. There's a truth in that. Yeah. There is a truth in that. And God does love you. And you need to hear that you're a son and a daughter. You do need to right. know that you're part Absolutely. of family, but you also have to bring that back to the center and go, but I'm not going to be dishonorable to the generation that went before me. And then this one needs this generation before you needs to listen a little bit more to what they're saying, because they're not just trying to be jerks. They're saying, hey, I don't like the way you're treating me. That's really not nice. I know you got away with it 20 years ago, but today is a new day. And so we've got again, it's just it's basically just finding the middle. The right. fathers and the sons coming together and have a conversation. You know, my son is 21. He's no longer a 12 year old that's getting into trouble. Right. He, I can't talk to him anymore like he's 12. He is now a man. So we have man conversations today. And I've had to learn through that. I mean, after a while, it's like my daughter's like, dad, I'm not 15 anymore. And I'm like, don't talk to me like that. And then I think about it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, she's 22. Oops. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I look and I go, oh my gosh, I'm repeating what my parents did. Yeah. So we got to learn from this. And if we will learn and love the younger generation and they'll turn and see, hey, we're learning through this too, just like you. I've never been 46 before. You've mm. never been the age you've been before. We're all continuing to grow together. When we start turning around and stop being selfish and we start talking with each other, having these conversations that we're doing now, I believe healing comes to that. Fire gets in there. Next thing you know, we're having a Holy Ghost blast because- yeah, right. That's what it's all about. I think that's the whole reason God even created us just to have fellowship and talk through things. Yep. I'm excited. I feel like our nation uh, passed the test a little bit. I wouldn't expect it years ago or three months ago, even, you know, we talk about re revival moves of God, presence of God in the church world, kind of, eh, I don't know about that, but I like the Asbury revival in that uh, the, the, the regular folks, even CNN, even Fox, even others said there's something going on about God. They're talking about God. Others now I see on the internet are jabbering about God in a positive way. And how Jordan Peterson, Jordan yeah. Peterson, right? Yeah. Yep. And so it's done a lot of positive. It's, 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 I think it, it's revival in, on that level. But the biggest thing I like is it's like we were tested as a nation. Do you want me? And all of a sudden I hear on the news, crowds are going to some 
place. doesn't matter where. Crowds are going someplace saying, I want to experience God. And I think that's the biggest thing that, Lakeland, that helped our nation. Lakeland never got that kind of coverage on Fox News. That as yeah, I know. Got. I know. But guess that's what? A, Brownsville never got the kind of exposure that Lakeland got. Right. And, and we could go on through all the revival Smith did yeah. and, and Toronto. Right, and right, right. Rodney Howard Brown. It just keeps growing and progressing. And what I loved about the Asbury revival is it was nothing spectacular. Right. It was basic Gen Z worshiping God and they didn't want to stop. Like, right. That reminds me of when I was 15. That yeah. reminds me of why well, I just wanted my guitar and I was playing in the nighttime and I still wanted to stay and I'd be there till three in the morning and I'm weeping and I don't know why. And I'm in love with God and I don't know what's going on. That was the beauty of the Asbury revival is that it caused Gen Z to have their own encounter apart from everybody else where it was just them and God. Now yeah. what they do with it, that's going to matter. Right. And we'll see what happens there. We'll see yeah. what happens. But it's a pretty good, it's a good, everything's a pretty good sign right now, I think. It is. It's and, great. Uh, better than it was six months ago, three months ago. Sure. Well, it's been great talking to you. We've got, a, we've got another podcast coming up here with somebody else awesome. coming up in just a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk to them. But anyway, great talking to you, connecting with you again. I consider you a great friend. Uh, we've been together a lot of years now after that first phone call. And we still uh, pursue god and we pursue each other the friendship so i appreciate you so much stay in touch with me and us and let us know how things are going uh, we'll have to have you come this way it's i don't know how time passes without that of course with pandemic that threw everybody off you yeah, know yeah yeah no so we'll listen there'll be a, have you and your an wife RV, come again there'll be an rv and trailer coming by soon yeah we should do that we should do that coming up okay all right my we're gonna friend, say bye-bye and you did a great job thank you for joining us everybody else bye-bye